Let's just pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are a great God, and we worship you this morning. We love you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for each one that has come today to gather themselves together in your name. I pray that as you saw those uplifted hands, they represent needs that are very much upon the hearts of these different individuals. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move on behalf of these needs. Lord, I lift up Grace Temple to you today and the family. I pray for your comfort and uh, encouragement. May they know that you are there with them. You are with each one. Thank you, Jesus. I think of Pastor Nick today. Lord, I lift him up to you, that you would touch his body, renew his strength, encourage him. We thank you for answered prayer. We thank you for your word today. I pray that it will impact us afresh. In Jesus' name, bless each one here. Amen. <clears throat> well, we, uh, in the time before I was away, uh, Pastor Nick had been talking about the prayer that Jesus had in the garden. When he prayed for his disciples, he prayed for us as believers. And I have some thoughts on that prayer. And I would just, if I was to put a title on this message, I would say, Jesus' Prayer and the Bigger Story. We have no idea how far-reaching was his prayer. And our prayers, I believe that as we pray, that it makes an impact. Lives are changed. Miracles happen. Bodies are healed. Lives are turned around. Marriages are healed. When we pray, and I don't want us to underestimate the value of our prayers, <clears throat> but I do want to focus this morning on three points that I want to bring out as far as this prayer in verses 20 to 26 of chapter 17 in John. But I believe that this prayer, this part of his prayer, it shows us God's plan, the blueprints, if you will, of God's program of bringing this world back to him. And uh, I'd just like to bring those three points to you today. And the first one, well, first of all, I, will, I'm, I want to read those verses. I want to read those verses. Starting at verse 20, John 17, verse 20. And I want to read down to the end. <clears throat> Neither pray I for these alone. Now, he's talking about his prayer for the disciples. So he says, this prayer now is more than just for my disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me 
through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now there's a lot of I and me and in, and uh, a person has to kind of follow very carefully to remember where, who's in. <laughs> who's all in? I and thee and you and me and, and uh, but anyway, in these verses, I believe that it points out, and this is my first point, it's his objective. You see, Jesus had a goal. This was his objective when he lived on the earth. And I believe that it's found if you look in verse 21 and 23, he says it twice. So that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I believe that this was his, his objective, his goal. The world. And this is where his focus, his plan of redemption is aimed at one target. The world the world. John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, you know, sometimes we, we forget that God has a purpose for the world. <clears throat> we forget that he is aiming even beyond us as an individual, but he's aiming at the whole world. He's aiming at more than just getting us into heaven. But he's aiming at the world coming to know him. This is what he says, so that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. We are here. To convince the world that Jesus Christ is the authentic voice of God. The revelation of the invisible God. And therefore the only way from man to God. If you ever remember getting one of those little uh, booklets. It says steps to peace with God. And it indicated that Jesus is the bridge between man and God. So our task as believers now in this prayer is not to save the world, 
our job is to bring the world to an awareness of who he is. And when people come to that awareness, they can make a choice. Shall I submit to Jesus? Shall I be saved? Or will I reject him? But as believers, to realize that God is interested in the whole world. Have you ever thought about the uh, definition of world evangelism? In one missionary conference, one man said, world evangelism is the attempt to give every man an opportunity to make an intelligent choice of whether to receive or to reject Jesus Christ. And so we, we cannot isolate ourselves from the world. This is the very goal the objective that we are here to reach. We are not to be unequally yoked together with the world, but we are to live in the world as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's what we are called to do. The church exists to reach the world. Now, isn't that uh, a challenge? The church exists in order to reach the world, that men may see that Jesus Christ is God reaching out to them and to come face to face with him. The individual of the world that walks in blindness, that walks in sin, lives in apart from God, and he he may seem unreachable, but he is our objective. In fact, our objective is to reach every man and woman, boy and girl, giving each an opportunity to make an intelligent choice to accept or refuse Jesus. So what will make that happen? And Jesus goes on and he talks about in his prayer, First of all, he says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, who Jesus is. My second point is, how does, Jesus, how does God plan to accomplish this? And he says that they may become one. This is how God is planning to accomplish this, just as Jesus and his father are one. The unity is around Jesus. It's Jesus that is going to make a difference. What brings unity? Love, humility, encouragement, kindness, caring. All of these things where we feel, where we know that someone has our back. Does that give you a good, a good feeling to know that someone has your back? And this is what he's talking about in unity. What brings disunity? Gossip, harshness, inconsideration, Pride, 
And he's talking about unity, not uniformity. We don't all think or act alike. Did you notice that? We don't all act and think alike, but our purpose, mission, and focus are to glorify God. We unite around Jesus and his lordship. The Father loves the Son, and he loves anyone that loves the Son. And some may feel that, you know, well, we need to, we need to have unity uh, in the body. <clears throat> this has been happening. And this strategy is not of human making. I just want to point that out. To make all Christians one does not depend upon us. It depends upon the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God only that can make us one. Not, and here, here's a thought too, not a union. It's not a union. What is a union? Is an outward agreement, an alliance formed by the submerging of differences for the sake of merging. That's a union. But unity is the sharing of life. Does that make sense? Unity is the sharing of a life. Rather, in the midst of the world, God has created a family, a shared life. When men or women around the world become, by the new birth, members of that life, they enter into a family circle which is so filled with joy and warmth that the unbeliever observing it will just be like a, a homeless orphan that is, is peering in a window where he sees a family inside and that orphan wants to be part of that family. I believe that this is what unity, the unity that Jesus is talking about, is the remarkable thing is when the church is like this that it creates a powerful evangelistic thrust when we can live life in a family a family of born again believers and know that each one has this care for one another. A family. You know, it's not a, it's not a, like I said, it's not a union, but it's a family. <clears throat> and I'd just like to read a little short paragraph. It says, at a men's retreat with many men from many churches, there was one man, as the weekend went on, told them that he was embittered against the church. He was suspicious of the scriptures. He was committed in his life to bad habits, which he recognized were not acceptable in Christian circles. He had come with all his defenses up, with barriers erected. But it was evident, as the weekend went on, 
that he could not resist the warmth of the Christian fellowship. He openly admired the Christian love expressed among the men that were present. And it was not surprising that before the weekend closed, he too joined the family circle of God. He could not stay away. All his defenses melted in the presence of Christian oneness. You know, as we gather and as we relate to one another as Christians, it has to be the Spirit of God that works in our lives and that we allow him to be at work in our life. Because this is how God, and I'm, I've got one more point, but this, this point about unity, it is so important. This is what Jesus was talking about, that they may be one, but it's this family relationship where as a family, a godly family that relates to one another, that cares for one another, this is God's strategy to make all Christians share one life in one great family and so make the world starve for meaningful personal relationships, desire that relationship. And that is the glory that Jesus has with his Father, the glorious unity of being one. When we are one, we reveal that glory. Did you know that? When we are one, we reveal that glory. That glory. So, my second point was unity. My third point is, but unity is hard to see. It's kind of an abstract in a way. The life of Jesus in the body of Christ is an invisible thing. Something must make it visible. And guess what? What makes it visible? What makes it visible? Jesus said, the glory that he had with the Father is shown by the love with which thou hast loved me, that it may be in them and I in them. So the unity of the church is visible when Christians actually love one another. Can we say that? Um, uh, just the unity of the church, let's say that, the unity of the church is visible when Christians love one another. What is it that Jesus said in John 13, 35? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now when I'm talking about a love for one another, 
I'm talking about a sincere love. Romans 12 and 9, it says, let love be sincere, unfeigned, genuine. And uh, the definition of sincere is free from pretense or deceit, genuine feelings, and from the heart. From the heart. So this is, this is uh, what Jesus' prayer was, that we could evidence his love to the world by the way that we love sincerely one another. There's, there's something about coming with our hearts. Coming with our hearts. Being sincere. It involves a willingness to connect, a mutual concern, readiness to help, share, listen, to pray, bear one another's burdens, and a recognition that we need each other. We minister to one another, allowing the Lord to work through us. This is a sincere love. And just a, just a, a question, is it possible that a lack of this love lends itself to a lack of effectiveness in making Christ known to the world. <clears throat> he, is, he is calling us as his believers to, make, to let all the world know that he has been sent here, that he loves the world. And he says that they will, they will, uh, this is how you will show my love to the world is by being in unity, being in a family, being caring for one another. And although that's kind of a, an abstract thing, this unity, he says it's by your love to one another. And this love is not something we work up, but rather because Jesus Christ is in us and we need to allow ourselves to be a channel of his love. If Jesus Christ is in us, we have the resources that we need to love. And it's for us to decide that, yes, I will be a channel of that love. And do we fall short at times? Oh, my, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I have fallen short. I think that we all have fallen short to be that channel of God's love. But that potential is there. It's there. 
we are a work in progress. Yes, God is not finished with us yet. And it's as we, as we desire, first of all, a desire to be that channel. And let us remember the cross and the love that was poured out there. We can see our lives as very ordinary. <clears throat> Do you see your life as very ordinary? But when we view our lives through Christ and remember that he prayed for us, he prayed for us, he gives us an eternal significance to even the most ordinary situations and relationships. And I believe that in each one of our hearts, you know, I'm so thankful for you that are here, for each one that comes and makes this their church home. And uh, we have, I would like to believe that we have a church family, a church family. I believe that I'm part of a church family. And that that is very meaningful to those that have no family. And I believe that we have the opportunity, even as, as Jesus prayed. Can you imagine the intensity of his prayer when he knew that it was going to impact the whole world? The whole world. He prayed. Not only for the disciples, but he said for those that are going to believe because of their word. But that, that we are a family that lives our life in a way that is going to impact the world. Our world. The people you work with. The, the people you go to school with. The, the different relationships that we have. It's because of Jesus' prayer that we reach out and have a, make an impact in their lives that will change their life, bring them to a place where they will say, I need to be saved. I need, I need Jesus. And like I said at the very beginning, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We can only be one as we come to Jesus. So this morning, I just, I just want uh, you to know that we are loved. Jesus said so often in these verses that we are loved. We are loved so that we can love others like Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the love that you have shown to us. And Lord, you, you have, this is your plan for us to impact our world. That they might know that you have sent Jesus into this world because you love the world. Even as you love each and every one in it. Lord, I pray that our hearts might be stirred, challenged, 
and uh, just be aware of how much you love us. How much you love us. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. And I pray that uh, your blessing will rest upon each one in the events of this day and this week. Lord, we look to you. Bless each one. Minister unto them. Help us to be that channel for your love. In Jesus' name. And forgive us, Lord, when we fall short. Lord, forgive us. Help us. We need your help. You said that you are the vine and we are the branches. We are part of that, of that uh, body. We are part of that body. Bless each one today. May they have a wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad that you are here today, and I pray your blessing, the blessing of the Lord upon you as you go out and are about. Amen.